0: Let us pray. Father, we thank you for your word. And we pray that as we begin this series thinking about prayer, that you'll help us to deepen our prayer lives, that you'll show us afresh what it is and what it means to pray to you, our Father. Help us this morning to hear you speak to us and help us to respond rightly to your word. By the power of your Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. So this series uh, in prayer will last several weeks, and we begin this morning by looking at the Lord's Prayer, uh, probably the most famous words in Scripture. Um, As we think about what prayer looks like, Jesus gives us this model as he teaches his disciples to pray. But I wonder what you think of prayer, How would you define prayer? What does it look like in your life? Is it something that is part of your daily life? Is it something that you do on a Sunday when we gather together? Um, Is it something you do in a crisis or in a time of need? What is prayer? What does it look like for you? Prayer is simply talking to God. It's speaking directly to Him. It's not really meditation or reflection, but it's direct address to God. It's the primary way that Christians communicate uh, their emotions, their desires, their needs with Almighty God. And as we'll see in a moment, prayer is a privilege. It's a privilege for the Christian. It's to be a normal part of our life, lives. We're able to speak directly to the creator of all things. Martin Luther, one of the reformers said, to be a Christian without prayer is no more possible than to be alive without breathing. And Jesus says at the beginning of our reading, and when you pray, prayer's not an optional uh, extra that we might sometimes access as Christians or we might not, it's not something That you might do in your spare time. Jesus says, when you pray, expecting Christians to be people of prayer. Prayer is and should be a normal part of the Christian's life. And this morning, as we look at these verses in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus gives us this framework for us to use when it comes to prayer. He doesn't leave us guessing when it comes to us praying. And first of all, he gives us the foundation of prayer in verse 9. Verse 9, this then is how you should pray, our Father in heaven. That is the foundation of prayer. It is praying to God, our Father. Prayer begins with, and can only ever begin with, that relationship with God. It begins with us remembering who we are, that we are adopted children into God's family and we can pray to Him as our Father. We can only do that because of Jesus, because of what He has done for us on the cross, but what an amazing privilege. We can go to God and call Him Father. It speaks of that intimate relationship that we have Knowing Him personally because of our faith and trust in Jesus. And this is the great thing about praying to God our Father. He is eager to listen to the prayers of His people. He's eager to listen. And so we should be eager to pray. We don't have to reach some sort of super spiritual mindedness to be able to pray. It's not Trying to get to a higher state of mind. Prayer is simply talking to God, our Father. All we need to do is open our mouths and speak. That, that phrase is a wonderful phrase, our Father. There's so much in it. it And we can compare it with an earthly father. If an earthly father generally spares no effort to help his children, how much more will our perfect heavenly father respond to our prayers? No matter the world around us or how lonely we may feel, when we pray, our father, we are never alone. He will never leave us or forsake us. Uh, And notice the way that it begins, our. It's not my father, although it is. He is. It's our father. It's plural. It speaks uh, of the family of God. We pray together as children of God. We are the body of Christ. And so when we pray, we join with the prayers of all of God's people, all of God's children, whether we gather physically uh, or not but it also causes us to think wider than ourselves. Our prayers uh, incorporate the wider. Prayer is such a privilege to have as a Christian. It's a privilege we have because we know God as Father through Jesus, our Savior. And so when it comes to praying, let's first remember who God is and who we are as adopted children of god and so that is the foundation for prayer then we get to two sets of petitions the first ones focus on god the second set focus on us and our needs uh, and so they begin our father in heaven hallowed be your name to be hallowed is holy to be holy so when we pray we must remember who we're praying to Yes, He's our Father, but He's also holy. He's perfect. Jesus wants us to fix our gaze on God and not ourselves. And that's why this prayer begins as it does. Looking to God, the Holy One. Because when we fill our minds with who God is, then that will influence the way that we pray as we get to the second half of this model prayer. And so this first petition, hallowed be your name, is that God's name would be honored and glorified by all people. Both Christians in our lives that we will live in such a way that God's name is honored and glorified. But that all people would see the holiness of God and respond rightly to him. It's a prayer also that we would live those Christ-like lives. The danger of the approachableness of God is that we forget who He is, that we forget that He is the Holy Sovereign Lord and that's why I love the way that this prayer starts, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, let's not forget who God is and it should drive us to our knees. I don't know about you, but I so often hear people just roll it off the tongue when they blaspheme God. OMG or whatever else they say. It just rolls off people's tongues. But it should drive us to our knees when it gets to this petition in the Lord's Prayer. Because we want people to hallow the Lord to see His holiness and respond rightly to Him. The second petition. Your kingdom come. God reigns. No. And this petition is that people will see that God is king and that God would reign in their lives as king. It's a petition that longs for that day when God's kingdom will come in its fullness. That day when Christ will return and make all things as they should be. It's a prayer for people to live with God as king which includes ourselves. It's a prayer for the Spirit to change people's hearts and correct people's desires, our desires. It's a prayer for the Word of God, His Bible, to shape our thoughts to kingdom thinking and kingdom living. It's a prayer for unbelievers to turn to Jesus as King. It's a prayer that Jesus be Lord Over every part of our lives. Then the next part Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We can only pray this part of the prayer, this petition, if we're certain that God our Father is trustworthy, that we can trust Him. It it would be hard. To pray this, your will be done. If we didn't trust uh, that everything that God does it is good and right, and so how can we be sure that God is trustworthy? How can we know that for sure? Well, we look to Jesus, and as He is praying in the garden, just before He's arrested, just before uh, He's beaten within an inch of His life, just before He's hung on the cross, what does He pray? Abba, Father. All things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. We can trust that God is trustworthy because of how Jesus lived. He trusted his Father. His desire uh, was remove this cup from me, remove this suffering that I'm about to face, away from me, yet not what I want, but your will be done. It's a petition that we would all submit to the will of God, our Father, rather than our own will and desires. And Jesus isn't asking us to do anything that he himself hasn't already done. We pray this, trusting our Heavenly Father. So this first half of the Lord's Prayer focuses on God. It reminds us of who God is we're not to let our needs dominate our prayers. Rather, we're to begin by focusing on God, filling our hearts and minds with who He is. And at the beginning of this new year, many Christians, um, one of their resolutions will be that I will pray more in 2021. Well, if we want to pray more, if we want our prayer lives to grow, if we want to improve our prayers, if you want to go deeper in prayer, then we need to know God our Father more and more. We need to know Him in a deeper way through reading the Scriptures, through reading about who He is and what He has done. Filling our hearts and minds with who God is. And as we do that, our prayers, our prayer life, uh, will grow, will go deeper in prayer. So that first half focuses on God and having uh, seen who God is and being reminded of that, then the prayer turns uh, to our needs. And it begins Give us today our daily bread. Bart Simpson from The Simpsons, that great philosopher, uh, bows his head to say grace before eating and says, This, dear God, we pray for all, uh, th- we pay for all this ourselves, so thanks for nothing. I wonder how many people uh, think like that when it comes to being thankful for the things that we have. We know as Christians that everything we have and enjoy comes from God. And so this is a prayer that is praying for what we need. It's a prayer for, for our daily necessities rather than for luxuries. It's all about our daily needs. Uh, and I, I love that word daily. Because it says something about how often we should be in prayer. Give us today our daily Bread, give us today our daily needs, what we need for this day. And so just as the Israelites depended on God uh, as they wandered in the wilderness, as God God provided that bread, that manna for them, we are to do the same, to rely and depend daily on God for his provision. And so we might be praying for a job or a new job, something around that, for a better job. Not for the need of luxury, but so that our daily needs can be met. And I think that's good and right when we pray, Lord, I need a job so that my daily needs can be met. I think that is a good and right prayer. It becomes a problem when we're praying for a better job so that we can have all the luxuries that we want from the world. Our Heavenly Father cares for his children, and he provides for our needs. And so we're to, just as we're to have that childlike faith, we're to have a childlike dependence upon God our Father. Augustine used Proverbs 30 verse 8 when he was praying for his daily bread. He, he said, the, the proverb says, give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only my daily bread. It's a prayer for necessities, not for luxuries, as we depend on our Father in heaven. And the prayer moves on forgive us our debts, or forgive us our sins. Although we know that we're completely forgiven in Jesus, we know that we still live in a sinful world, we know that ourselves still uh, sin in our lives. We know that we're not yet perfect. And so we need our feet washing as Jesus washed the disciples' feet in John 13. John Calvin said repentance is not merely the start of the Christian life, it is, it is the Christian life. Confession is to be a part of our prayer life. So let's keep those short accounts with the Lord. This petition, forgive us our debts, uh, is to do with our relationship with God, but it's also to do with our relationship with others as we have forgiven our debtors. What is our attitude towards those who have wronged us or those who have offended us? It's not that we're praying, if we forgive that person, please forgive me, Lord. It's, we have been forgiven so much. How then can we not forgive others? So Lord, help me to do that. Help me to remember the sin that I've been forgiven. So that then I can forgive others who have sinned against me. A preacher once asked his congregation, Who would you save if if they were drowning in a lake? The dog you love or the neighbor you hate? Who would you save? If we struggle to forgive, that might tell us that we've not quite understood the forgiveness that we have received from God in Christ. If we're bearing grudges or holding on to resentment for the way that somebody has treated us or has spoken to us, then we need to look to Jesus again. Look to him Pray that he would soften our hearts towards that person and that situation. And we struggle to forgive. Let's remember that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And then it moves on to this final petition. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. This part of the prayer is about protection. It's about asking the Lord for his help. Because we know that we're liable to stray from his ways. Just like sheep wander and stray, we too do the same. And so it's a prayer that the Lord will strengthen us when we need to stand firm against the world, the flesh, and the devil. I wonder how many problems have been caused by sin and temptation, all because of prayerlessness. Let's be fervent in prayer, praying that the Lord will help me in my anger, help me in my lust, help me in my gossip, help me in my speech. Let's pray that the Lord will protect us. In these words of Jesus, uh, in Matthew 6, he teaches us how to pray. He gives us this model that as we work our way through it, it calls to mind all sorts of things that we can pray about and for. We have this amazing privilege that we can communicate with the God of the universe, our Father in heaven. And so maybe do this at some point during your next prayer time. Maybe open uh, this passage in Matthew 6 and work through each one of those petitions and pray through the Lord's Prayer. Maybe there's different situations in your life um, that these will speak into. And so use them to base your prayers around. At the beginning of this new year, let us individually And as a church, make prayer uh, and continue to make prayer something that is a key part of our daily lives. Let us grow deeper in our prayers as we first grow deeper in our knowledge and love of God, our Father in heaven. Let's pray.